Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast at www.sonic-cinema.com. My name is Brian Scuttle and this is the third episode of the podcast. I know I owe you guys a second part of episode two, which was my Star Wars episode with Ronnie Haynes, and I will get to that, but it's taken a lot longer to edit that than I expected. So hopefully I'll get that out sooner rather than later, at least hopefully before uh, Force Awakens hits um, home video. Um, but right now, what I wanted to talk about was the Academy Awards, which are coming up at the end of the month. When the nominations came out, I was hopelessly behind on several of the uh, nominated films. I'm a little bit closer now than I was. There are still several of them missing, but uh, by and large, I've seen most of the big nominees at least. So I wanted to take the time to talk about that, as well as to talk about the controversy uh, with regards to the hashtag Oscars so white controversy that we've now seen two years in a row. Admittedly, is it a surprise to me that Straight Out of Compton didn't get nominated for Best Picture? No, it isn't. Am I disappointed? Yes, of course. It was certainly in my top 10 for this past year, and it's definitely going to be in my top 10 when all is said and done by the end of uh, my viewing for this year. But it's not that surprising to me because the subject matter is definitely not in the realm of what you would consider Oscar-worthy. But the filmmaking was. I thought it was a great film. I thought it was a timely film. I thought it was an important film for now. And it's, it's disheartening that it only got a screenplay nomination when it should have been nominated for so many other things. F. Gary Gray should have been nominated for Best Director. Jason Mitchell should have been nominated for his performance as Easy. e I'm glad the screenplay got nominated. I would have liked to have seen maybe Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, as well as in addition to Best Sound Mixing. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And again, not terribly surprising because, you know, the subject matter doesn't really jive with uh, what the Academy traditionally goes for. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I can't be upset about it. That doesn't mean I can't be frustrated about it. That doesn't mean that other people can't be frustrated about it. Uh, more frustrating is the fact that Idris Elba, who actually won Best Supporting Actor at the SAG Awards um, for Beasts of No Nation, wasn't nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Now, to be fair, he wasn't in my top five for this year, but the fact of the matter is he was certainly worthy of the conversation, and I fully expected him to be there after seeing his performance. Uh, personally, his... Young co-star Abraham Atta, who was the lead character in Beasts of No Nation, was certainly a more superlative performance uh, that I would have liked to have seen surprise in the Best Actor category, but that was definitely not going to happen. It, it's kind of frustrating that Beasts of No Nation didn't get the love that it did, and I think part of that is probably the... Uh, structure of the release because of the fact that it was a Netflix release and I think and I think Hollywood in general is having a hard time figuring out how to handle that especially when it comes to things like the Oscars and how does that affect like oh how is the time 
how does that affect in working with the Oscar release? Um, <clears throat> the Oscar release uh, requirements. It's I, I think that's a question that's going to need to be answered coming forward. Um, and I think that might be part of the reason why Beasts of No Nation didn't get nominated. But the fact of the matter is, Idris Elba, again, not in my top five, but certainly worthy of consideration. And he probably would be winning if he were nominated. Uh, Although Sylvester Stallone will probably go home with Best Sporting Actor, I'm for Creed. I'm not necessarily going to uh, begrudge him that because I've seen Creed. He gave a wonderful performance in it. I don't know that I liked his performance more in Creed than I did in Rocky Balboa or even the first Rocky, but I can understand why he's sort of caught on and. That's another film where it's kind of surprising going with the Oscars so white controversy uh, that we didn't see more traction of because Creed was arguably w probably one of the more acclaimed of those three. And uh, Ryan Coogler did a great job directing. He did a magnificent job directing. There's some truly spectacular scenes in that movie that are just as well directed as anything um, in a movie this year. And Michael B. Jordan gave a great performance as uh, the illegitimate son of Apollo Creed. And Michael B. Jordan, I do, I am convinced will be nominated for an Oscar at some point. The fact that he hasn't already for either Fruitvale Station or Creed is disappointing, but I think it's only a matter of time for him. But that's another film that sort of fits in with these three, the, these other two Beasts of No Nations and uh, Straight Out of Compton, where it's about subject matter that is not typically uh, considered in the Oscars, although, I mean, that's sort of debatable, seeing as though Rocky was a Best Picture winner back in the 70s, and you know, Creed is arguably the best film in the Rocky series since the original Rocky. But the fact of the matter is, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, I do think changes need to happen. And I, I all three of these movies were certainly worthy of Oscar attention, and uh, they didn't get it for some reason. You know, I, you know, I, I hesitate to say racism, be, but the fact of the matter is, it's like, I, I think that's an easy... I think that's an easy excuse to go to, but I don't necessarily think like it is the only excuse, especially in some of the categories that you're looking at, best director, best picture, there's a lot of competition. Best picture in particular, the way the best picture category works is everybody votes for best picture in the motion picture academy, and a movie has to get at least 10% of the first place vote to get nominated for best picture. You know, that is not easy to do. And I, I think it's, it was a good change when it happened a few years ago because of the fact that meant that something like The Blind Side or I uh, can't remember some of the other ones that were very questionable choices of when they expanded the category to 10, um, movies like that didn't get nominated, you know, it, that prevented movies like that that weren't necessarily Oscar-worthy but may have been, oh, well, it's like, it's a feel-good movie. 
so those movies wouldn't get in, which I like. So in that respect, I like the change. But on the other hand, it makes it a lot harder for movies like Straight Out of Compton, like Creed, like Beasts of No Nations, or even going something more populist like Star Wars Force Awakens from getting into the best picture category. But it does make it feel a little bit more prestigious than it has in previous years because of the fact that you know that those movies that got into the best category, best picture race, they got in there on because people voted them their number one choice. So that that is something that I definitely like. That's something that I like about the change, but it also leads to situations like we had last year when, you know, in arguably one of the most egregious hashtag Oscars so white controversy, which is that Selma could get nominated for Best Picture of the Year and Best Original Song, and then nothing else. I mean, granted, it deserved to be nominated in both of those categories. I'm glad it won Best Original Song. I'm glad it was in the Best Picture race. But that's why, I think that's a big part of the reason why it was able to get nominated in the Best Picture race, even though it got nominated for nothing else. And... It, it was frustrating that it didn't get nominated for nothing else. It should have been nominated for at least Best Director, Best Actor, Best Screenplay, and some other uh, technical categories probably. But that's kind of what's going to happen when it comes to when you have to have at least 10% of the first place vote. So a movie like a Selma or maybe even A Beast of No Nations in another year could have gotten nominated with 10% of the vote but not get anything else. And I think that's one of those, it's one of the more interesting parts about the way they uh, did the weighted best picture category. Although, you know, it's, it's still frustrating when you see something that I personally love, like Straight Out of Compton, not get nominated for best picture of the year, even though I feel like it completely deserves to be in there. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Um, I do think, you know, the changes that the Academy announced recently when it came to voting and the uh, voting requirements and sort of like how the membership, you know, how membership is eligible to vote now, I think is a good change. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out in uh, 2016. Uh, certainly with um, Nate Parker's The Birth of a Nation, which just took Sundance by storm this uh, past month, is definitely going to be a player since Fox Searchlight picked it up. Uh, same studio behind 12 Years a Slave. And I can't, I remember hearing about Birth of a, The Birth of a Nation, Nate Parker's movie, a couple of years ago. I think when it finally seemed like he was starting to going to be able to finish it. And uh, I'm excited to see it later in the year. I can't wait to see it later in the year. I'm excited to see it. So we're gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see how uh, how things go with the new voting that's in place, and also with what seems like an ultimate gimme to get the Academy out of this funk of. Uh, two years of Oscars so white, because the fact of the matter is, it is a funk. I think it is, it is a 
retrograde from where they were at the beginning of this decade because of the fact that at the beginning of this decade you had Will Smith, Denzel Washington, Halle Berry all nominated in the lead actor categories. Denzel and Halle Berry won. You had Jamie Foxx winning for Ray. You had Morgan Freeman winning for Million Dollar Baby. You had Forrest Whitaker nominated and winning for uh, Last King of Scotland. And then, you know, it, it seems like the past few years, for some reason, it just, even though you've got these hugely acclaimed uh, movies like Selma and Straight Out of Compton, it seems like the the need to, the desire to reward some of those movies and the people involved in those movies has has sort of gone away or sort of been, or at least been uh, on a standstill, which is not necessarily a good thing. And it's it is frustrating as somebody who watches who watches the Academy Awards every year. Even though I mean it's it's frustrating because I also by the time the awards show up, we basically already knew who's going to win anyway. Not just not because of the fact that oh well this movie is just so well deserving, but oh well I mean it's won this that and the other things so it's going to win. Oh this. You know, it's still in there, even though that, you know, it, it momentum sort of subsided a little bit because of this. But oh, it's going, it's still in there, and it's still going to win. So it's one of those things where the Academy Awards are painfully predictable at this point. It's it's frustrating in that respect, but at the same time, um, I'm still going to follow them. I'm still going to watch them. And, you know, hopefully it'll be fun to, you know, just see where things go this year. I mean, you know, this year you're going to have Sylvester Stallone probably winning for Best Supporting Actor. So you get a speech out of him. Leo will probably finally win for The Revenant. So you finally get to see him on the stage after he's been passed over so many times. Um, the Revenant, by the way, is the only Best Picture nominee I haven't seen. Uh, hopefully I will get to see that in the next few weeks, but um, we will see. But I will imagine I'll get to see that. So it's it's one of those things where the Academy Awards are, I'm I'm still kind of interested in them, but at the same time I sort of tune out to a certain extent because of the fact that uh, A, I find myself increasingly having to catch up with the nominees, but also just finding them increasingly predictable as far as what gets nominated and what ends up winning. So it's one of those... So that's that's kind of the frustrating thing about the Academy, in addition to uh, the Oscars so white controversy, that not only... So not only are we being gypped out possibly seeing interesting and worthy movies get nominated but we're and possibly win in the long run but we're also basically having to sit through movies that you know sort of predetermine wins and that's one of the more frustrating things about the Oscars at this point 
Although I will say the Oscars so white controversy, I makes me look even more forward to Chris Rock hosting the Oscars again because I have a feeling he's going to have some uh, pretty good material this year as a result of that. Although I, you know, and I'm not one of those people who I felt he did a poor job in 2004, 2000, the 2005 ceremony. I thought he did a good job, but I mean, I, I can understand why people were hesitant because of the fact that he was considerably riskier than... Uh, some of his predecessors were. But I'm looking forward to him hosting again. It's going to be a lot of fun. So going to just talking about some of the categories in general, we're talking about some of the uh, movies, some of the snubs, some of, uh, some of the things I would have liked to have seen. Um, you know, some of them are similar to what other people would have liked to have seen. Some of them are closer to, you know, my personal feelings on them. So it's one of those things where, because of the fact that I see so many of the films after the fact, it's been after the nominations, it, it feels like a lot of work to uh, catch up just for the sake of, oh, I've got to catch up and watch all these movies. Um, which is a shame because I, I genuinely want to see all of the movies, but at the same time, it's it's also one of those things where yeah, it feels like, oh, I can't watch these new movies that are out. I gotta see these movies that have been out. But, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to deal with. And it's, it's something that I enjoy doing. It's something I still enjoy watching going back and watching movies like Carol or Room or Brooklyn and all three of which I had to catch up with recently uh, of the Best Picture nominees. Like I said, Revenant is the only one I haven't seen. Um, of the ones I have seen, I mean, honestly, the only one I probably would continue to have in my personal uh, top eight is Spotlight. Which is which was just a tremendous film for me. It's a movie I felt was just incredibly well done and well edited, well written and well directed and acted. And it was it was just such a gripping story. It was such a gripping journalistic story. It was one of those things that it it just draws you in, and the way it unfolds is just remarkably it's it's not groundbreaking or anything like that it's just really great filmmaking it's just great solid uh traditional filmmaking that's not a bad thing uh it's rare to see f traditional filming filmmaking on a level like that nowadays i mean a lot of it is about oh well it's about innovation it's about exciting you know, it's about uh, pushing the boundaries, and that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I still love movies like that. I love the Mad Maxes and uh, the Martians, the Ex Machinas, Anomalisa, for which is nominated for Best Animated Feature and is probably going to give Inside Out a run for its money, although in the end I do think Inside Out will win. Uh, 
I would like to see it win Best Original Screenplay because Lord knows the uh, people Pixar have been just churning out amazing films over the years and plenty of screenplay nominations, well-deserved, but for some reason they uh, just refuse to give it give them that award. But I kind of get it to a certain extent, but especially for something like Inside Out, which is arguably the most original film Pixar's ever put on uh, film, it's it's one of those things where it that's where it really gets you. It's like why are why are people apprehensive about awarding an animated film for writing? And because especially since that one is so well written, even if it it would obviously not work and be remarkably expensive in live action, but the fact that it's animated, it's just makes, it's such a fascinating character study on a lot of levels, and it really ups the ante in terms of what animation is capable of. Anomalisa, Charlie Kaufman's movie, is the exact same way. Um... But in different ways, and both of them really work well together in terms of the types of movies that they are and the type of cerebral experience that they are, while also being very entertaining in their own ways. So, looking at the uh, just looking at the categories, best picture, I think my top pick is Spotlight. Um, but honestly, there's not really a film that. I look look at the seven I've seen and go, oh, why is that in there? It does surprise me that Mad Max Fury Road ended up in the best picture category, but it's a pleasant surprise because it means that at least 10% of the voting academy saw just how astounding that movie could be and uh, why that movie just really touched a nerve with a lot of audiences and a lot of critics. And so it was exciting to see that nominated, as well as George Miller nominated in the Best Directing category. Personally, I would like to see George Miller win. I don't think he will. Uh, I think Alejandro Iñárritu will probably win his second straight Best Director for uh, The Revenant. Uh, I wish I could say, oh, he absolutely deserves that, but I haven't seen it yet. So... My personal picks right now are either George Miller or Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. But, I mean, I would give the edge slightly to George Miller of the people who are nominated. Uh, best Actor. I mean, well, just, okay, just going the acting categories in general. This is the part where I know a lot of people are really frustrated with the uh, Oscars so white controversy because of the fact that for the second year of in a row, none of the acting nominees were, you know, all of them were white. And it's like, eh, not really. I mean, you know, you don't, on the one hand, no, you don't want to nominate for somebody just because of the fact that they are, that they're black or a different color than white. But the fact of the matter is, it's like nobody is all, no, it's not like anybody is saying, oh, well, let's just nominate the next, you know, somebody from the newest Tyler Perry movie because of the fact that they're black or from The Perfect Guy or movies like that. 
No, I mean, nobody is saying that at all. But, you know, let's look at, you know, Abraham Atta, who I mentioned for Beast of No Nation. Samuel Jackson, who is arguably gave the best performance of his career in Hateful Eight, and certainly the best performance he's done for Tenantino. And that is saying something, because he's been consistently great in Tarantino films. Uh, look at Tiana Paris from Chirac, from Spike Lee's Chirac, which was completely shut out, even though it at least should have gotten a Best Original Song category nomination. I don't know how they pick some of the nominees in that category, but it's like, how do you... I mean, Chirac was filled with tremendous songs, and you know, on that note slightly, where where was See You Again from Furious 7? I mean, there wasn't a... There was barely a song in any other movie that was more important to the context of that movie than See You Again. And how that didn't get nominated is beyond me. I thought for sure that was probably going to be the winner. Now I'm not really sure what's going to win. Going back to the acting categories, though, and uh, I saw Tangerine on Netflix recently, and uh, yes, it's tremendous-looking film given the fact that it's made. It was filmed on iPhones, but you know, performance-wise, it's it's arguably even more impressive. Katana Kiki Rodriguez, fantastic in the lead performance, and Maya Taylor, great in supporting. Uh, certainly more and worthy to be nominated. Uh, Jason Mitchell, I mentioned him earlier, is easy and straight out of Compton. For me, he's still the person who should be winning. Uh, and a lot of people mentioned Benicio Del Toro for Cesario, which I just uh, watched this morning, and I certainly cannot argue with that. All, both of those guys are definitely in my supporting category above Sylvester Stallone, who will probably be winning Best Supporting Actor. Again, I don't wish him, you know, I, I looking forward to seeing his speech and I'm looking forward to seeing him win for uh, his iconic role, but it's one of those things where it feels like, it feels like one of those legacy Oscars that you occasionally see. It's like, oh, well, we didn't give it to him for his better work. Although, I mean, he, he is quite good in Creed. He's rarely been better than he is in Creed, but you know, we're it, it feels more like a legacy Oscar than it does something that he genuinely deserves in this year. I mean, there were plenty of other tremendous performances that were arguably more deserving. Uh, Jason Mitchell for Straight Out of Compton. Michael Keaton was for me the highlight of Spotlight. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was terrific, but Michael Keaton just absolutely. For a second year in a row, just blew me away uh, as a performer. Paul Dano for Love and Mercy, the Brian Wilson film. He and John Cusack just did a tremendous job bringing Brian Wilson to life in that film. And unfortunately passed over. Uh, but of the, another one of the people who probably should be in the best supporting actor category that isn't is... Uh, Jacob Tremblay, who was who played the uh, son in Room, 
and gave about as good a child performance as I've seen in the past 15, 20 years, if not ever. Uh, certainly, at least the uh, at least the equal Brie Larson, who will win Best Actress for Room, I'm guessing, but nowhere to be found on the Oscars Final Five, and that's kind of surprising because you would think it wouldn't have surprised me to see him in there, but he didn't make the cut for some reason. <clears throat> so looking at Best Actor... Uh, my personal pick, uh, both in general and of the nominees, is uh, Matt Damon for The Martian. But to be fair, he's actually the only nominee I've actually seen. Brian Cranston for Tromboy, I completely missed that. DiCaprio I haven't seen yet, hopefully next week or two. Uh, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, haven't seen that. Eddie Redmayne for Danish Girl, haven't seen that. So... Unfortunately, Best Actor, I'm uh, very much lacking in having seen the nominees this year. Hopefully, that will change at least someone I can get to DiCaprio and Fassbender before the nominees, but before the Oscars, but we'll see. Uh, best Performance by an Actress, I've seen four of the five, th all four of which um, in the past few weeks, actually. <coughs> I'm not, as much as I love Jennifer Lawrence, I don't know why she's nominated this year. Joy was very good, and she was probably the highlight of it, but she was very much miscast in that role, I think. I think if David O. Russell went with his other American Hustle star, Amy Adams, I think the film would have been better, and I think that, I, I, I think the lead actors would have been more deserving to be nominated, but... Jennifer Lawrence is just too young for that role, I think. Amy Adams, I think, is a little... She's, she's a bit older, and I think she would have been able to uh, sell that role just as good, if not better, than Jennifer Lawrence did. Um, Brie Larson, like I said, probably going to win for Room, deser deservingly for Room. I mean, she's my top pick for Best Actress. Although Kate Blanchett for Carol was certainly, I believe she's my uh, second pick for Best Actress. Uh, well, of the nominees, she is my second. Uh, Tiana Paris from Chirac is my second overall pick. And uh, Saros uh, Ronan from Brooklyn, whom I've loved ever since Atonement, and Hannah. Uh, she was very good in Brooklyn, and I mean, she was uh, she gave a wonderful performance. But I mean, I don't know that she would necessarily be in my top five. I mean, she's not in my personal top five, but I mean, she's you know I've you know it it they could they could uh, they could have gone with somebody more deserving, but they could have gone with people less deserving too. So. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to begrudge the nomination, but, you know, the the person who's going to probably win Best Actress, Brie Larson, is going to deserve to win Best Actress. Supporting Actor, uh, Revenant, again, haven't seen, so I can't say about Tom Hardy, but I have seen the other four, all four of which are tremendous performances. I mean, I do think... Uh, 
see. I think of the, let's see, I think, who do I think is, I think Christian Bale in the end was probably my favorite of the four who have been nominated, but all four are really good in their movies. Uh, Mark Rylance from Bridge of Spies, I think is, was really good in that movie. Sylvester Stallone, again, don't know that I'd put him in my top of that list, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you could certainly pick uh, least less deserving uh, people will be in there and probably to win. I mean, he's, you know, it's basically he's going to be winning in a category of equals. So I... You know, I I can't really uh, I can't really complain too much about that. Best supporting actress, my top pick uh, overall is Jennifer Jason Leigh for *Hateful Eight. I was pleasantly surprised when she was on there. Although, actually, Rooney Mara and Carol was she's close she's close to topping Jennifer Jason Leigh for me. She was absolutely wonderful in *Carol*. I'm so glad she got nominated, and I could almost see her winning too. Uh, this is going to be a, an interesting category to watch because there's not really a standout. Uh, although I still haven't seen uh, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, although she was wonderful in Ex Machina this year, and I haven't seen Steve Jobs, so I don't know about Kate Winslet. Um. But yeah, the other three are completely deserving. I mean, I think Rooney Mara and Jennifer Jason Lee are just on a slightly higher uh, level than Rachel McAdams is. But at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not, I certainly think she is deserving to at least be considered. Best director, again, I think Inuritu is going to win his uh, second straight for The Revenant, although there's the geek in me that would absolutely love to see George Miller win for Mad Max Fury Road. Not gonna lie. Uh, everybody else sort of feels like an almost ran, although I can see Tom McCarthy win for Spotlight. Uh, even though Inuritu won the one for the Directors Guild recently. But you know, Spotlight for some reason touches on a bigger nerve and ends up sweeping all the way to Best Picture. I think I can see Tom McCarthy maybe winning it in the same vein that uh, Tom Hooper won for The King's Speech in addition to that film winning Best Picture. Best Screenplay? This is a category I've actually seen all five nominees for. Uh... It's a tough category, too, because, again, Inside Out is my far and away my number one pick, although Spotlight is very close to second. All five of the categories, all five of the nominees are really good. I mean, I would probably be disappointed Bridge of Spies won uh, just because it feels, it feels like sort of second-tier Spielberg. Um, if there was one movie in the best picture race where it'd be where I'm hesitant to say, oh well, it's like it deserves to win, it's definitely Bridge of Spies. I think uh 
I, I love Spielberg. He's my favorite director of all time, but it's just not one of the movies I would have wanted him to be nominated for Best Dir- Picture for. Uh, best, ri- best Adapted Screenplay. This is going to be a tough one. I, I think this is going to be a tough one. I can see any of those five winning. I would love to see Drew Goddard win for The Martian. I thought he did a wonderful job balancing humor and the science in The Martian. I have a feeling it's probably going to be the big short. I can't really argue with that, although, you know, Brooklyn, Carol, and Room are all deserving, but I think it's probably going to be the big short, but sort of like with George Miller for Best Director, the geek in me really wants The Martian to win. Uh, Going to my other... Uh, the other two categories I, I tend to care the most about are the music category. Uh, best original score, I've actually gone through all five of those on my Facebook, on my personal Facebook page and sort of talked about them. Uh, and after seeing Cesario today, I finally got listened to in the context of the film to Johan Johansson's uh, score for Cesario. And uh, all five of them are just wonder, wonderful work. I mean, I I mentioned on uh, I mentioned uh, when I talked about Bridge of Spies that it sort of felt like uh, Thomas Newman was trying to he was channeling John Williams, but not trying to channel John Williams for Bridge of Spies. But otherwise, it's a really good score. And but that sort of tension from trying to do something that John Williams might do compared to doing something that Thomas Newman would definitely do uh, doesn't really help that film that scores cause. Carr Burwell, I'm so glad he finally got nominated, although I still am baffled that it took so long because and that wasn't for a Coen Brothers movie. He's just done such great work over the years for the Coen brothers that I'm just not quite sure why it took a period romance produced by the Weinstein Company to finally get him an Oscar nomination. Uh, Cesario was a wonderful score. It was a terrific. It's one of the types of exciting, musically exciting scores that I love listening to. And uh, love discovering, but I mean the top two for me are Hateful Eight by Ennio Morricone and Star Wars Episode Seven by John Williams. Uh, those are my two favorites in this category this year. Although really, if I my personal pick is still Mad Max Fury Road by Junkie XL, uh, but these are my two and three for the year. I really would love to see Ennio Morricone win a competitive Oscar. I thought he did a great job with Hateful Eight. It was his Spaghetti Western scores mean so much to me as a composer and an artist. But I mean, Force Awakens was arguably John Williams' best overall score for a Star Wars movie since Empire, and. It was really exciting to listen to him working at the peak of his form again. 
Plus, it's been 22 years since he won his last Oscar, and I would really love to see him win at least one more before it's all said and done with him. Uh, maybe for the big, for the BFG this year, the Spielberg's next film. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Hateful Eight. Best original song is weird. Still haven't seen Spectre, so I can't really speak on Sam Smith's song. Haven't seen Youth, haven't seen Racing and S Extinction, and even heard of Racing Extinction. Uh, the Hunting Ground, I have heard that song. Uh, it was a wonderful song. I saw that movie. It was a lovely song. I don't know that would have been my top five. Uh, and And then there's the one song... The other movie that I've seen of this category is Fifty Shades of Grey, nominated for an Academy Award the day after it was nominated for six Razzies, I believe. Now, granted, don't get me wrong, the soundtrack is arguably the best part of that movie, but I don't know that the song that it got nominated for, Earned It, was, well, earned it. I I think I I'm surprised that Love Me Like You Do was not the nominee because that was a clear uh success as far as um airplay and as far as popularity goes. And it was just a really great song. But yeah, earned it I'm not quite sure how I feel about that one, but I don't know, is this the year that Diane Warren finally wins an Oscar? Because I don't think she's won before. Maybe she has. Let me see. Uh, feels like she should have won before, but um, nope, never won before. So hopefully uh, this may be her year. This may be her year. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Because I don't think I'm not ready to say it can be award-winning movie Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not prepared to say it. It's hard enough to acknowledge it as a nominee. But uh, anyway, that's pretty much all that I have right now. I could go into each of the categories and say, oh, well, this deserves it, that deserves it. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, I'm going to, in addition to this podcast, I'm going to go through and basically just do my usual list of, oh, here's what's nominated, here's what I've seen, here's my personal picks, and here's who I think is going to win. I'm still going to do that uh, before the big night. But the fact of the matter is, it's like I, I did have some things to say about the Academy Awards. I just wasn't quite ready to say them when the nominations came out because I hadn't seen most of the movies. Uh, hopefully I'll get a few more in before the actual ceremony on the 28th but uh for now i think that's pretty much all i have to say about it. so uh thank you very much for listening and cont cont please continue listening at www.sonic-cinema.com i do hope to make this a more regular thing the holidays really kind of kicked my ass as far as my schedule goes uh hopefully now that that's out of the way now that things are starting to settle down and uh, personally hopefully be able to get down to uh, making this a regular thing. And thank you very much. <laughs>
Thank mm-hmm. you.